The issue of immigration, specifically around accommodation of people seeking international protections, because when TDs turned to the, returned to the Dáil today after the Christmas break, uh, housing was the first issue introduced at leaders' questions, but accommodation for uh, asylum seekers was also discussed. Um, it's it's going to be a busy term ahead, Christina, but it'd be fair to say that the tensions and pressures around the housing of people seeking international protection is probably, and temporary protection indeed in the case of Ukrainians, is probably the biggest problem facing uh, the government right now. Yeah, I think day one here of the new Dáil term and we see that the government really is under sustained pressure, um, you know, even from outside um you know, in, in communities, as we've seen in Ross Cray and other areas, but also within its own uh, parties. We saw Fine Gael Parliamentary Party meeting. There was a, um, you know, a substantial discussion on immigration issues. A number of criticisms were levelled at uh, Taoiseach Leo Varadkar by um, some TDs and senators, particularly around um, the communications strategy um one person calling it a dog's dinner, saying that... Um, that was really, Senator Martin Conway, I think. Yes, yeah. and, and that they had, I, I suppose, the thrust of the narrative, I think, from some politicians is that the the government have really dropped the ball on this, that they had a lot of time where they could have put preparations, good systems in place, and brought the people with them. And now, I, perha- I, I think... The feeling is that there is a bit of a, a scrambling going on. And even this evening, um, the Fianna Fáil Parliamentary Party meeting, um, Robert Troy, is, uh, he said that he wanted to have a debate on immigration policy and the ongoing challenges. So, you know, we've already had a debate. Um, the Rural Independent the, Group introduced a motion before, yeah, before Christmas. Before Christmas, where there was. Did Robert Troy, well, we'll put you on the spot here, did Robert Troy participate in that debate? I don't recall. I don't I recall, recall any recall contribution myself from him. Now. Yeah. yeah, but now yeah. we're seeing that it's we'll moving check the into, back, into yeah. you know, government business time, that this is, you know, if it's coming from um, within the parties, I think it's it's probably going to be committed to in the next couple of weeks. Um, and, and look, we've seen Tisha Glea of Radcliffe coming out saying they're going to give this additional support package to the uh, the 10 districts that have, um, you know, taken in the highest um, number of refugees. Like, to be honest, I think that's a bit of a, uh, not an off-the-cuff remark, but, you know, we see that he went into Cabinet and was sort of saying, look, guys, come back to me with some ideas here right. in the next while because I think they, they really feel that they have to do something, I think, to get a hold of that. All right, Pauline O'Reilly, um, March of last year, Charlie McConnell, speaking uh, presumably, a member of Cabinet on behalf of government, said that the uh, Ireland could expect to get 200,000 people from Ukraine. That's a year ago. There doesn't seem to be the evidence there that the government has planned to take in 200,000. Every spokesperson that's been out has talked about the great goshka that was done over taking in 100,000. But 600 people are without accommodation. We're struggling with half the number the government stated position last year uh, were expected to come in. Well, I don't know where where Charlie, Charlie McConnell's figures are. I, can't, I don't have the background on Charlie McConnell's figures. That, that's for him to say. But I don't think anybody... Um, that I heard from either opposition or otherwise was saying here's here's the evidence to say how many people were coming in. I think that Ireland has done an amazing job in finding accommodation for 100,000 people. And but I just to be clear, at that point, 10 million people had been displaced in Ukraine and working out potentially some of the, you know, the, the, the proportion of people that Ireland might be expected to take, maybe that's where he got it from. Well, I, I mean, you know how long it takes to put um, housing development together. 
there's there's now modular homes that have gone in. There's a white paper due within a couple of weeks due to come to Cabinet, which is a new white paper on how to deal with um, asylum seekers coming to the country. And I believe that we absolutely need that move away from private accommodation, from private owners, hotel (coughs) operators across the country. I think everybody acknowledges that. And so that has to be done. Um, And I know, again, from being in politics, that everybody wants everything to be done yesterday, but that there are processes to follow in order to get massive accommodation centres opened in areas, which is which I think is probably what we're looking at, that we have accommodation centres where people come first and then people are processed. But, That's, but, but, that, we, but, but Catherine, Catherine Day's report that recommended getting rid of direct provision also recommended building centres like that and, you know, they're still not built. City West is being used, but there are six such centres recommended. I heard representatives of government over the weekend being asked where they're going to be and still in the planning stage. But off the back of that, we then had, you know, these massive numbers. So we were only talking about a few thousand at that time. And now we're, lo- now we're looking at, hundred, you know, 100,000 people to be accommodated. So I think people... Oh, I, I just, I just well, go back to the figures here. So I, th- and this is reported on the 22nd of March, 2022. Uh, Charlie McConnell uh, told this station that 200,000 refugees uh, Ireland, you know, c- could expect that. He was basing it on UN figures. 10,000 people had arrived at that point. Uh, and as many as 10 million people, mostly women and children, had fled the fighting in Ukraine at that point. Uh, so he was working it out on, on the proportion of, um, of people who might arrive here. But even still, that isn't, you know, it's, it's not that long ago in, in, in real terms, in terms of how long it takes to get something up and running. And in that time, we have modular homes. We have almost everybody has been accommodated in one shape or form. We do know that we need to move away from that. OK, but we have been. De- almost have everybody. Been dealing, before I go to the other. We have been dealing with an emergency situation. I think nearly everybody recognises that we've okay. been dealing with an emergency situation. And, and, and let me just say one other point that last year, Per month, there were 298 families a month um, coming for international protection. And this month, it is over 500. So that's why right. we have that many more families and children. Okay, Mar- 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 and and that's, that's, okay. that's an issue that you cannot predict. All right, but um, not notwithstanding what, what was said last year. Um, Marion Harkin, there are families arriving, but the... Uh, protests seem to have particularly targeted the idea of accommodating single men who, who make up a large proportion of people emigrating from, from any country, but they appear to attract the greatest uh, animosity. They also make up the greatest number of uh, people seeking international protection who are now homeless. Yes, they do. Uh, but the question, I suppose, if I look at um various areas and what people are saying to me is that many uh, communities uh, will be very happy to welcome families, to integrate them, to work with them. But there is um, a fear, shall we say, there is a concern about large groups of single men, often four to a room, nothing to do all day. Uh, nothing for them to do. And and people are concerned about that. And for anybody to say to me that that's not the case across the country, it, that's because it is. 
So, so let's call a spade a spade here. So that's the situation we're in. And, and the government, while I agree with Pauline, um, this happened at a, at a rate nobody could have. I know, and but it's interesting that it comes up at this point. I mean, there's <clears throat> 600 people in an army battalion. People got out and protest the closure of barracks and 600 single young men or 600 young men uh, departing but from the a difference town. is that those people were working, they were going home at times to So the answer is to are. allow people the right to work on day one on arriving in the country then, is it? Well, that's that's one possibility. But, but if you do that, you then... Do that, it'll be... You have sure to look coming at your... over and taking our jobs. Do you yeah. know? Like, there needs to be a, a, a leadership here where narratives are challenged. But wait a minute. People need to feel that the government is in charge. 100%. That the government know what it's doing, that the government has planned for what is happening. They need to know that. And I'm not speaking to anybody who hears that and who thinks that. I'll give you one example. Um, The Taoiseach spoke about uh, increasing the amounts of money uh, to 10 districts with the highest numbers. What about the 11th and the 12th district? There's already community recognition for in place. You're dead right. There's 50 million. I put in a number of questions uh, to the department on various figures and I got some answers today. And just one figure, the amount paid in child benefit, just child benefit, not anything else, uh, to uh, Ukrainians who were here under the Temporary Protection Directive for 22 and 23 was just over just 60, sorry, was just over 60 million euro. Just child benefit, nothing else. And yet communities are supposed to be grateful with 50 I million it's to try. No, it's really, hold really on, Pauline, okay, to try and provide the services that they need. Uh, so I, ju- I, ju- I just want to be clear about this because. So are you, I mean, because new arrival, Ukrainian arrivals uh, won't get the benefits. They'll get the um, 38 euro per week plus additional uh, benefit per child. The same, in effect, well, as, the point as international I'm protection. Column is that what the government is offering communities is a pittance. And I'm not saying they buy them off. It, but but, even, but even, even, even in expressing that, though. Couldn't you say that 50 million isn't enough without juxtaposing it with how much is paid out to Ukrainians in child benefit? Yes, benefits? I could. But what I wanted to show was the government have talked about this great 50 million fund and what they're and an extra 10 million for tourism uh, providers. When we see counties like Leitrim and Sligo with nearly 50 percent of their tourism accommodation not available to them, the government right. have to show that they can manage this and they can support the communities that are taking okay. the I, burden. I, I, I'll come back. Um, Breed Smith, oftentimes in, in areas where there's a high prevalence of antisocial behaviour, people will say the facilities aren't there for the young people. There is nothing for people to do. In, in this situation, there may be people who have fears about people without gainful occupation whose fears are solely rooted in that and not rooted in racism. Well, the problem with this is, I mean, Marion said it there about the fear of men, single men. Excuse me. And no, take I, your time, have a drink of water. We there. all know the narrative is they're unvetted. <clears throat> they're a threat to women and children. Um, and this was spread by far-right uh, fascist supporters uh, very clearly spread on social media outlets and has been picked up and swallowed lock, stock and barrel. Now, funny enough, I walked 
past a building site in Ballyfermot the other day. Big blocks of flats are going up and um, all the men came off the building site to go up to the shops to get sambos and coffee and whatever. And they passed by two schools and there was no, nobody knows who they are. They're all men. They're not. Fr- they're from outside the community. Um, they happen to be mostly white men, but we don't know if they're vetted or not. And we didn't all go, oh, Jesus, they're walking past two schools. Oh, my God. There were guys with hard hats and high visas on them that were working in the flats. So I think it behoves politicians, every single one of us, to challenge this narrative about the fear of single brown and black men. It is so wrong. And secondly, I do think we need to give people the right to work. If they're young men and they've nothing to do, well, they're probably strong and they'll probably be well able to build more houses, more schools, more hospitals, more things we need. But the reason... Presumably people, only in the state housing agency proposed by people. Or <laughs> in the state housing agency okay. proposed by people. But the reason all of this becomes a focus is because of the sheer frustration of the communities over the housing crisis, the lack of services, the lack of availability of doctors and dentists and uh, assessment for your kids' needs, for disability needs. There's an amount of frustration in the richest, one of the richest countries in the world and they won't spend the billions on delivering public services. Let me go back to Pauline O'Reilly on this because if further enhanced measures are introduced and if more spending is put into communities where for example, there are more people seeking international protection. Isn't it just as likely that act, people acting in bad faith could simply point to that and say, look, the people seeking asylum seekers are getting doctors. We've been arguing for a doctor in our village for ages. If people want to make mischief on the foot of people seeking international protection in the country, they'll make mischief no matter what you do. I think that there's a real lack of leadership at local levels right across the country when it comes to politicians. I do think that they need to step up and say, just give us a straight answer. Government and opposition? Well, there are many uh, government at Fianna Fáil and, and Fianna Gael across my own part of the country who have been very outspoken on this, so I don't think it's a secret to say this. Um, you either need to say, is it the right, honest, decent thing to do to have people coming And when you have um, a a space available that you say um, there's an emergency, people need a roof over their head. For example, the people in Ross Cray are saying they don't have a space available because the only hotel that they had left in the town. Well, well, let's get to to individual ones in a second, because what happens here is that we have like multiple things involved in the conversation. One thing is it's not uh, it's not as if in areas where there is vacant properties that people don't protest. They are continuing to protest and they are supported by okay. some local politicians and they either need to make the decision as local politicians as to whether they think that providing refuge for people is the right thing to do and if they okay. do, right. then they then they need to say it. I, I and when it comes to other things, of course, around services, that's, that's a day-to-day job that every politician is doing. But to link the two, I think, is dangerous. And I also think that it's for electoral purposes 
and it's playing politics and it's playing politics what, in to a link very, the housing and services crisis it's real life I, for people I, I okay, believe no, you, you, that you, you can have both conversations Grant okay I, 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 you've made that point just very, very briefly Marion Hart because I want to move on to another topic uh, and, and, and get Christina in on it uh, if you would just very briefly on that the linking of the two topics and, and how it's done that's real life for people like if you come to Leitrim and you look to get a doctor it's almost impossible to get on a doctor's list. And then people say, you know, how can we cope with more people coming in? So I, I'm not saying that either or both. What I am saying is that you, the, the two are linked. They're inextricably linked. And if government want to show that they are in charge, that they are the people who are managing this situation, then they need to come forward with proposals, not just something about buying a hotel when okay. another one was, you know, decided right, okay. for refugees I, I or wanna, that they're giving it to the 10 highest we'll look, districts. There will be a white paper solutions to this. OK, a white paper in a few weeks is, is uh, the final word of that. Very briefly, uh, Christina, because we're just going to get a, a quick word from everybody on this. Committee on Media and Culture looking at the issue of defamation and not going through the courts uh, necessarily to seek redress for people who feel their good name has been uh, affected. One of the proposals they're talking about uh, a definition of serious harm. But in a nutshell, what was being talked about uh, as I say and briefly if you would. Yes so representatives from media organisations such as the NUJ and the Press Council and some other publications were at the media committee today discussing um, how you know taking media publications and individual journalists to court can have such a detrimental uh, effect on organisations can result in, in job losses and even some places closing down and the argument here today was really to push home the the idea that the press council is there and the press ombudsman is there and politicians who have uh, cases that they want to take against uh, journalists for any articles that they've written or members of the public for that matter who have any um, grievances with any articles that have been published about them do have that mechanism of going to the press council the press ombudsman is there it's it's funded by the government, so it should be used particularly by politicians, I would say. And I think the the whole narrative today was just to really put it out there that going to court and using the, um, you know, stringent and um, really you know, detrimental defamation laws that this country okay. has has a huge impact on, on media freedom. Okay. 